Let's go. Had Let's a chance, go. but you blew it, blew it, blew it. Man, I'm great. Move on, baby, who this, who this, who this. Girl, you're messing with the wrong one. Now I'm flexing cause I'm on one. I'm on one. Flex, 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 flexing on. Flex, 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 flexing on you. Welcome back to another episode of NBA University. Um, shout out to DJ Zenus again for bringing us in. Um, going to go over uh, a few teams in the uh, Big 12, go over some of the games from this past Saturday, uh, talk a little bit about those and um, the abomination of the Pac-12, and then get into our NBA teams as normal. Um, so, Zach, what game do you want to start with? Uh, I think we should kick it off with Seton Hall St. John's from Saturday. Uh, Seton Hall, we've talked about already, good wins against Kentucky and Maryland. Interesting team so far. And then St. John's was undefeated, but we had no idea if they were real or not. Uh, I think, at least for me, that game confirmed that St. John's was real. And then St. John's packed it up by just whooping Marquette uh, either last night or two nights ago. But, um, yeah, Shimori Pons was pretty bad when they played Seton Hall. Uh, I think he only had eight points, and he just really wasn't himself. Um, they still probably would have won the game. Actually, definitely would have won the game if there wasn't a, an inadvertent whistle in the last couple seconds. Um, so St. John's is definitely real. I think they're a tournament team. Uh, they just keep on the trajectory they're on right now. Um, and then at Seton Hall, same thing. Miles Powell pretty much denied most of the game, couldn't really get himself going. Kale was a non-factor. Uh he, I don't even know if he scored, and he ended up fouling out really early. Um, and they still end up winning on an, yet another ridiculous buzzer beater. So I think we just learned, at least I learned, that both those teams are legit for sure. Yeah, yeah, I like these two teams in the tournament. They're teams that just play hard defensively and sort of try to get it to get the ball to one guy. So Miles Powell for Seton Hall and then Shamari Pons for St. John's. And if those guys aren't going, um, they have guys that can step up but they, it's more of the team steps up. So for Seton Hall, they had a, three guys at 14 points, um, and even Shavar Reynolds chipped in with eight. Um, and then St. John's, um, Mustafa Haron, he had a big game, um, sort of took the load that Pons normally takes. Um, and I thought they did get robbed with that call. That was – Weird how it happened. It was right in front of the ref. Um, unfortunate event, but I think if Pons um, has an average game, uh, I think St. John's is a is six to eight point victory for them. So um, tough loss for St. John's, but like you said, they're they're fine. I think they'll have no problem getting to the tournament um, and really uh, have a chance to win the Big East for the first time in a while. Yeah, I think they have the most talent in the Big East right now, uh, and they're already playing pretty well together. Um, and Tremori took it personally, that loss to Seton Hall. He even came out and said afterwards, like, that loss is 110% on me, uh, and it won't happen again. And he only responded by putting up 20 and I think on 7 of 8 shooting or something like that in the first half against Marquette, and that was just never a game. Um, so, yeah, St. John's is really real. I'm excited to see them play Villanova and some other of the better Big East teams here coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. And I can't wait for Shamari Pons to go in the sec- late second round of the NBA draft and then be in the rotation by the end of this rookie season and be like, how did he drop this far? He just has that oh, yeah. sort of mental makeup that he's incredibly competitive and um, has the skills to go alongside it. And then about a month from, or a month and a few more days, uh, you get to see Trey Jones against Shamori Pons in a nice little matchup at Cameron Indoor Stadium that I think will be will be awesome. Yeah, I think that's where Pons really sort of breaks into the national spotlight. Um, but yeah, I mean that was a great game. Obviously, St. John responded well um, against Marquette. Um, but let's jump into the next game that we're going to cover. Yeah, so Kentucky-Louisville, also Saturday, um, one of the better rivalries in college basketball. Uh, 
Kentucky was, I would say, dominant for all 40 minutes. Um, it never felt like Louisville had a chance to win the game. Um, Tyler Hero was a hero, basically, to put it gently. Um, he was the player we really thought he was going to be all year long. P.J. Washington locked up Jordan Nawara, which I did not think was going to be a good matchup for him, but it turned out great. Um, and, and Louisville just showed, we talked earlier, that they haven't really played together before. They're a young team mixed in with some experienced veterans that just haven't had a chance to gel together yet. Um, and that definitely showed a lot of hero basketball coming up uh, down, the, down the stretch of the game. But yeah, Kentucky, I think, is, is basically right there where we thought they would be all year long. Yeah, Kentucky's starting to look and in, turn into a scary team. Um, their starters are really playing well together. Have a good sort of mix of guys who can create their own shots, um, spot-up shooters, but a good mix of defensive players. P.J. Washington, Keldon Johnson, Haggins. I mean, these guys can really defend. Um, and then you got Reed Travis and um, Harrell, who, who are decent defenders, but – um, as a team defense, defense they're, they've been really solid, um, especially of late. So they're they're a scary tournament team for sure. Then Louisville, I mean, Nora had a bad game, um, and it's funny to look at his stat line of 17 points and seven rebounds is a bad game. Uh, but I just think that speaks to how good he is. Uh, but Louisville's still got some, some ways to go. Like you said, still they still need to gel together. Um, and get some more production outside of Noir and Cunningham. Uh, just their bench re- did not show up that game. Um, and Kentucky just really took it to them early. So when your starters aren't playing well and your bench traditionally doesn't give you a lot, it's it's tough to win against a good team like that. Yeah, I think just to add a little bit, I think the only problem with Kentucky, um, I'm not ready to anoint them champions yet, even though I, do, I did pick them preseason win at all, but uh, I think Ashton Higgins is a li- liability on offense. Um, you kind of saw that Louisville sagged off quite a bit, kind of played a five-on-four basically. Um, and I think that can hurt Kentucky a little bit, but he did start to learn that he needs to attack the hoop in that situation, kind of like how Ben Simmons just gets downhill really fast. Um, he did the same thing, and it, it kind of hurt Louisville. So I'm interested to see how defenses guard him and how he responds to it. Um, and then on the defensive end, Kentucky is really solid. They have a whole lot of athletes, and they just are good team to defense. Um, but it did seem like when they moved the bigs out of the lane, uh, PJ was out of the lane most of the game because he was guarding Nora. But when uh, Reed Travis had to move and like guard the perimeter and get in pick and rolls, they weren't as good. Uh, their rotations were just a little bit out of whack. I'm sure they'll nail that down by the end of the year. But at least right now. It seems like you got to get the bigs moving around a little bit in order to beat that defense. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think getting spreading the floor, um, a team that we'll talk about later, I think would be a good matchup for them because of the, the way they spread the floor. A um, little foreshadowing there, but um, Kentucky offensively with Haggins, um, I think Cal's got to get more creative with where he puts him on offense. I think he should put him in the dunker slot, um, sort of that short corner between the three-point line and the, the block. Um, find him there. Allow Reed to Travis to run some pick and roll. Um, even run a four or five pick and roll, P.J. Washington and Reed Travis, um, to get the spacing better. Um, have Harrow, obviously, ball side. And Keldon Johnson's a good slasher. So I think they need to be a little more creative on offense. But obviously they're playing well right now. And we'll tweak things here and there. Yeah, we'll see what happens when they have to run into the likes of uh, Tennessee and Auburn and those kind of teams in the SEC. But for right now, they're looking a lot better than they were in the past. Yeah, I can't wait for that Kentucky-Tennessee game. But um, let's touch a little bit on a couple upsets here. Um, Wisconsin, well, traditional upsets of Wisconsin and Western Kentucky. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Wisconsin had to go into Western Kentucky. Um, first of all, shout out Wisconsin for taking that game. There's a lot of uh, major schools that would never go to a mid-major like that. Um, I have a lot of respect for coaches and schools that do that. Uh, I think we should do a lot more often and get some more like uh, home-and-away type series going on. But, yeah, Rick Stansberry, uh, as a lot of the media and coaches call him Slick Rick, is the coach for 
Western Kentucky. He's just a de- deadly, dangerous coach against major schools. That's the name Slick Rick. But uh, Western Kentucky is led by Charles Bassey, who I think is a first-round pick and could end up in the lottery if he gets some more national attention. But uh, we talked about Wisconsin being a great defensive team, and Western Kentucky starters put 80 points on them in that game, just the starters. Um, they only had 83, but still. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they have a freshman guard, uh, Delano Banton, that had a near triple-double, uh, had a double-double with just rebounds and assists, pretty special player. And then Charles Bassey had 19-6. and six. Um, So they're a dangerous team. A lot of people are talking about Old Dominion in their conference because Old Dominion went to Syracuse and beat Syracuse, but uh, definitely don't forget about Western Kentucky. They, I'm telling you, they will be in the big dance. Uh, Wisconsin was still good offensively. Happ and Davidson were really solid, but they just couldn't get it uh, done on the defensive end for, for this one game. I don't think it's anything to panic about. I just think it's how good Western Kentucky is. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's more of a testament to Western Kentucky being really, really solid than Wisconsin having an off game. Um, but I think it did expose Wisconsin a little bit as far as um, Hap, if Hap isn't efficient offensively, he shot 9 of 23. Um, then their offense kind of struggles. Um, and it kind of impacts his defense as well. If he's not hitting shots, he, his defense tends to, to relax a little bit, kind of gets down on himself and the offense doesn't focus enough on defense. Um, so I think that's, that's what teams are going to start to do is really attack Hap offensively, make guys like Davidson, um, Trice, and Reavers um, really try to beat them. Um, so I think there's a small worry with Wisconsin um, offensively, um, where to get their points from if Hap is struggling. Um, but, yeah, overall, those are two great teams that are going to be in the, in the tournament in the March. Yeah, for sure. So we'll we'll just end our overview real quick by talking about the disaster that is the Pac-12 conference. Um, if you follow anyone that talks about college basketball on Twitter, all I've heard so far about the Pac-12 is how big of a joke it is. Um, so just as like a little way to see that for you, on Saturday, Arizona State lost to Princeton at home. Liberty beat UCLA at UCLA. Seattle beat Cal at Cal. Santa Clara beat Washington State at Washington State. Now, UCLA and Arizona State are thought to be kind of the class of the Pac-12. Obviously, those other two schools aren't great, but still you shouldn't be losing a very low mid-major on your home court. Um, In my opinion, I think the Pac-12 only has three teams that have a shot to make the tournament, and that's Arizona State, Arizona, and Washington. Um, Arizona has bad losses to to Alabama and Baylor, but they have a decent win over Iowa State. Um, Arizona State obviously beat Kansas and Mississippi State, so those are two really good wins, but then losses to Vanderbilt without Darius Garland and Princeton, so like what the heck happened there? And Washington has no bad losses, but only one quality win over Western Kentucky. Um, So all these teams have kind of set themselves to make the tournament right now, uh, but they can't lose more than two to three conference games. Like last year, Arizona State did the same thing, and then they ended up losing like eight conference games and finished middle of the Pac-12 barely survived um, and we're very lucky to make the tournament but yeah I don't think the Pac-12 is in a very good spot right now no no I mean they started I think it was what early mid-November end of November is when they started getting worried about the Pac-12 um, losing all these games I mean I think it was the first week of December they were two of ten against top 25 teams um, and it's just bad loss after bad loss I just got done watching the TCU USC game, and um, <laughs> that was a they got hammered. <laughs> yeah, UC USC. I mean, they didn't have Kevin Porter Jr., so that's a huge, um, huge difference. But I mean, I think it was a 40, 34 point game, something like that. Um, and USC just looked terrible, um, bad defensively, bad offensively, um, and that's just sort of what the Pac-12 has been like all year this year. Um, Arizona State. I mean. That Princeton loss, they lost by one, so it makes it a little bit better. Um, but to give you an idea of what Princeton's been like this year, they lost by 61 to Duke. Um, <laughs> it wasn't ever that close. <laughs> uh, they lost by 15 to St. John's, um, 10 to St. Joe's, and then have been sort of 500 against everybody else of sort of in their in their class. So not a great team. 
um, to lose to for Arizona State, and they don't have any injuries to point to or anything like that. So um, bad loss for them, and that's probably their best team, um, the Pac-12. Yeah, and then so to make matters even worse, um, the two stars, I guess, of the league uh, in terms of draft next year are Bull Bull and Kevin Porter Jr., um, just today, it sounds like Bull Bull might miss the rest of the season. He has a lingering foot injury, and the chances of him playing are late in the Pac-12 season, and he basically came out and said it's not even worth it. So I'm not expecting to see him lace up his shoes anymore for Oregon. Um, and then Kevin Porter Jr. supposedly had a quad injury or something. Quad condition, but, yeah. Yeah, but Jeff Goodman was reporting that uh, basically Kevin Porter is getting advice from someone that says, like, just hang it up for the rest of the year, you're done, you've already shown enough. Um, and they're also not expecting him to play anymore for USC this year. So the two stars of the league, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to play anymore. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. is interesting because uh, he sort of blew up from the Nike Hoop Summit, um, sort of where they bring together the top recruits, play Team USA versus Team World and all the different countries and stuff like that. Um, really played well there and then had a strong start to the season. Um, so it'll be interesting when it comes draft time where he lands. Could be similar to sort of Michael Porter Jr., um, where he could be projected top five and then end up going at the end of the lottery. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see with that. Yeah, and then just to finish it up, so UCLA fired Steve Alford. Um, honestly, probably many years too late. <laughs> uh, but the two names they've kind of thrown into the ring that I've heard most uh, for that job are Earl Watson and Fred Hoiberg. So I just want to get your quick opinion on either of those guys for that job. Um, Earl Watson, I think, would be good there. Um, he's an interesting guy. Had a long NBA career, um, sort of journeyman. Played a lot of time with Seattle. Um, but I think he understands the game. He most recently was coaching the Phoenix Suns. Um, understands the game, but really relates to the players. Um, is really a player's coach. So interesting to see him there, um, how he would recruit, um, sort of try to bring back UCLA's recruiting powers, um, where USC has kind of taken over, especially for next season, um, getting, I think it's three out of the top five California recruits. Um, but Fred Hoiberg, I think, will be great there as well. Um, I would prefer to see Fred at another kind of school in a bit in the Power Five conference, but not sort of like an Iowa State where he was before, um, I would prefer to see him there. And another name I heard, um, I don't know if you heard the same thing, was Eric Musselman of Nevada. Um, oh, yeah. Which I think would be would be my pick if I was um, hiring for UCLA. I think he's – the way he's able to get transfers and recruits, um, getting Jordan Brown, one of the top recruits this past year, um, and all those, all those transfers there. Um, what he could do with a UCLA platform. I mean, he's re recruiting guys to Reno, Nevada. Imagine Los Angeles. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's true. So I, I would like to see Musselman there. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. Um, I just – honestly, Musselman kind of has it made for himself right now. Um, I don't know how long he can just keep dominating the transfer market, but a lot of especially UCLA fans and the actual school themselves they still feel that they're one of the top like coveted jobs and top places to be for college basketball and honestly in my lifetime that hasn't even been the case like I mean I know they've had good pros like Ross and other guys but they've never had a dominant team in a long time that I can remember yeah I think it, it goes back to Westbrook um, Kevin Love they had Luke and Bob Mute. Um, I think that was when they made their Final Four run. I think 08, I want to say it was. Um, yeah, I mean they haven't they haven't had that. I mean, besides that Lonzo Ball year, um, haven't really right. had a tournament run here in a long time. Um, so I do I do think they need. It's almost like the uh, for Texas Longhorns football. Uh, I think they sort of went through a big slump from the early 2010s, uh, but now sort of in the back end of them, sort of turning it around. So I think this UCLA can do the same thing pretty quickly. This would be a good spot for that Sam Ellinger, uh, we're back, soundbite. <laughs> yeah, well, stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that wraps up our um, recent college basketball 
news. Um, we'll take a short break here and get into um, the Big 12. Longhorn Nation, we're back. All right, so we'll get into the Big 12. We're doing three te- three teams this year. This- Wow, hold on. Let's start over here. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so we're doing the Big 12, doing three teams this time, um, simply because the lack of depth in the Big 12 compared to the ACC and Big 10. Um, we're going to do. We're gonna start with TCU. Uh, so te- Texas Christian University, um, having quite the turnaround since they added Jamie Dixon as their head coach a couple years ago. Um, talk to me a little bit about what they, what they have to bring to the floor. Yeah, well, first you put it lightly saying the lack of depth. The last three teams in the Big 12 suck. That's how you really should have said it. But, um, yeah, Jamie Dixon, I did not really understand why he left Pittsburgh. I know that he's used his alma mater, and I understand that. But uh, I kind of felt like a major drop in, uh, from schools. But it's working out great. He's taking them to the tournament. Uh, they look good again. Um, but, yeah, they're led by Alex Robinson and Jalen Fisher. Two solid guards. Uh, they have they lost to Lipscomb this year, but Lipscomb is better than just the name Lipscomb. <laughs> um, and they also beat SMU on the road and hammered USC, as Michael already said. I think it was like 34, 35. Yeah, it was 96 um, and then another, Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah, so that's that's just that's bad. <laughs> um, and then they have another awesome opportunity for a quality win and the SEC Big 12 Challenge with a home game against Florida. Uh, I think that game could be pretty important if they find themselves like a couple games over 500 in the Big 12. Um, unfortunately, they're not a great shooting team, but they're pretty athletic and play good defense. Uh, you can always look for the under in their, their games. Um, I really think Alex Robinson's a, a very good college point guard, great assist guy. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I want to say he assists on like close to 40% of the makes um, special, special guard. And then Jalen Fisher is like their go-to scorer. Um, I don't think that's his best attribute, but for this team, it's what he needs to be. And he's definitely capable. Um, overall, they really don't turn it over too much, move it around, make defense work. Uh, so they get good shots out of their possessions. Usually I just worry that they lack enough scorers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as scoring goes for them, it comes off of Alex Robinson. So um, what they do a lot of times is just run a high pick and roll with him. Um, usually with Kevin Samuel, who's a great uh, – he's a redshirt freshman, big, big body, great at setting the screen and diving hard um, and taking bodies with him. Um, and then they just sort of spread the floor with J.D. Miller, Desmond Bain, and Jalen Fisher around, around the arc. Um Jalen Frischer, uh, which I didn't didn't realize before sort of looking into them, was has been their best recruit um, they've ever gotten from TCU. Yep. And his career got started off on a sort of rough patch with, with injuries. He broke his wrist, um, tore both meniscus, um, or tore his meniscus in each knee, um, had one torn in his left knee and then played on it and then tore his right um, and then shut it down last season. So – those injuries has completely impacted his game. He used to be um, sort of a slasher with the ability to shoot. Um, now he just sort of became a spot-up shooter. Um, he can create his own shot, but um, he's already taken 142 threes this year, um, and that's through 12 games. Um, so really letting it fly, uh, but has been a really, really good shooter for them, shooting 44% from three, 90 from the free throw line. He's um, been great for them sort of a spark plug for them in the beginning. And then um, someone I really like, I really enjoy watching is their, um, their sophomore from Australia, Kawat Noy. Um, he's been great coming off the bench, averaging um, just about 14 points a game, uh, which is second on the team. Really brings a lot of different variations of scoring. Uh, so can be a spot-up shooter, um, loves his one dribble pull-up going left, um, and loves getting into the lane. Uh, so that's key for them is having Kwat Noy come off the bench and play strong for them. 
um, give them a little change up because outside of him, their bench is pretty, um, pretty soft offensively. You got guys like RJ Nemhard and Caden Archie um, who are not shooting the ball well this year um, and more out there for their defense and their energy. And then Kendrick Davis and um, you at a lock um, just sort of bodies out there. Um, especially um, you at, he's just a big body to replace um, Kevin Samuel here and there. Uh, and then Kendrick Davis is their guard to help out. Um, but I, I really like this team because as I alluded to earlier, they like to space the floor. Um, something that I would be interested to see them play Kentucky. Uh, because this high pick and roll with Samuel and Robinson with shooters around them um, is interesting. It, it'll be, it would be tough for Kentucky to cover, um, especially if Alex Robinson can get his feet in the paint. Um, yeah, I mean, offensively they're they're sporadic. Um, they can put up 96 points in a game um, against USC, or put up 66 against Cal State Bakersfield. So. Um, and to be fair with the Lipscomb game, um, it was Jalen um, Fisher's first game back. Uh, and I believe it was um, Kuat Noy's first game back as well. So they're still getting healthy then. Um, and now they've sort of gone on a, a strong run here and got a game coming up against Baylor this Saturday. Yeah, I think um, I think they could make the tournament. I'm kind of expecting them to make the tournament, but as like a – last four in type of team for uh or even like a, a late 10 seed um you just can't doubt the magical powers that is jamie dixon and they have enough talent on the roster and they play well enough together that i think they'll be able to get it done uh, i think they'll be the seventh bid from the from the big 12 um but i i do think there's better team like significantly better teams than them in this in this league yeah yeah i mean they're, they're not going to be the top three in the big 12 but I think they bring a lot of interesting um, sort of aspects of their game that if they're clicking, if Jalen Fisher is hitting the way he hit in US in the USC game, um, he had five threes at halftime. Um, if they're shooting the ball like that in the tournament, they could be a dangerous team to play, um, especially if they're a 10 seed. I think it would be an even matchup against a 7 seed um, for them. And it could possibly upset a 2 seed. So, um be fun to watch them, especially as they get through the Big 12. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that covers um, enough about TCU. Um, we'll get into Iowa State here next. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Andy Dalton visits Dirk and Jill Mulroy to make sure they are fan enough. Hey, it says here be confident when wearing Andy Dalton fragrance. Wear the scent. Don't let the scent wear you. All right, so we'll jump into Iowa State. Um, Zach here has a man crush on his player here, but um, <laughs> on multiple players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is one of his favorite Big Twelve teams. Um, I guess I'll start quick. Just um, their offense really starts and ends with Mariel Shayok. Uh, he's taking thirty-one percent of the shots um, when he's out there. He's really. He comes from Virginia, so he plays really well on defense. Um, but he is a very solid, solid player for them. Um, very efficient offensively, especially in two-point um, two field goals, be able to get to the rim, get to the free throw line, um, really do a lot on offense. Um, what do you think about Shayak? Yeah, I, uh, I was confused when he transferred from Virginia just because I thought he had it nice there. I mean, he was going to be their go-to scorer. Um, and he was obviously one of their better players. But uh, I think he found a nice spot here in Iowa State, um, kind of under the radar. But he was the go-to guy for sure. Uh, now I think Lendell Wigington is back and healthy. Uh, he's not going to take a backseat role necessarily, but he'll have uh, a little bit fewer opportunities just because their best player is back and healthy. Um, but, yeah, so Lendell Wigington is the best player in my opinion. Uh, he's also one of the best players in the country that probably many people have never heard of. Um, I think the healthier he gets and the more in the flow of the game that he gets, I think he's only played like three games now um, this year. So 
as he continues to get back, Iowa State's going to keep taking more and more jumps. Uh, Ken Palm has him ranked 18th currently as a team, um, but you wouldn't know that because nobody's talking about him. Uh, so I think that this is a team that will really jump up and surprise some people. Unfortunately, they didn't have any quality wins. Um, they lost to Arizona and Iowa, and they're really only two opportunities for quality wins, but that was without Wigington. Um, so Wigington and Jayhawk are definitely the two main heads of the of the team. But then you have Taylor Horton Tucker, who's a true freshman out of Chicago. Um, if you look at him, he looks like Jabari, uh, Jabari Parker, same Simeon, same high school and everything. Um, but he's a point forward. He makes plays for other people. He can score for himself a little bit. I think he's a consistent triple-double threat. Not saying he's going to average a triple-double, but they'll be. I think he'll have one or two this season. Um, but my favorite thing about the team is that when they're playing at their best and when they have their best uh, five on the floor, they have four guys that can handle the ball and score it or make plays for other people uh, at any time. And I think that can be a, a huge, huge problem for other teams just to have to guard that many players that can, can really play basketball well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. They start four guys that are under six six. Um, I know that doesn't sound that very short, but when Horton Tucker is guarding the the four on the other team at six four, um, it's a small team, uh, but they they do surround the floor with 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 ball handlers, with playmakers, um, and then Michael Jacobson sort of down low, um, six nine, sort of mobile big. Uh, Scores quite a bit. He's averaging 15. Um, not a great rebounder, especially for his size. Uh, should be getting more. Uh, but I guess with Horton Tucker and Shaq attacking um, the glass, it's tough for him to grab some. But, um, yeah, they definitely have a team that's surrounded by ball handlers, um, which makes it difficult, especially with um, Wigington coming back. Um, you got another ball handler there. Um, interesting to see how they'll do their starters. Um, once he enters the starting rotation, who comes out? Um, because I really like what Tyrese uh, Halliburton brings to the team. Um, very athletic, not going to shoot a ton, but will hit his open jumpers. Um, very good in transition, very good ap- athlete, and then um, can defend really well. Just a little light, so sometimes gets pushed around a little bit, but very good on using his feet. Almost like uh, Terrence Ferguson of the Thunder. Uh, remind, reminds me a lot of him. Um, but as far as it goes with Horton Tucker, he definitely does a lot on the floor. Um, and he's really been the reason anyone's talked about Iowa, Iowa state, uh, in the national media at this point. Um, and for me, I don't see his game translating that much in the, in the NBA. Um, they're talking about him being a one and done. Uh, I just think at six, four two thirty, uh, with very limited athleticism, I can't see him as a point guard um, and then playing shooting guard in the NBA. I don't think um, he's a good enough shooter at this point to to be put on the floor. So I don't know. Talk a little bit more about him. Yeah, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination he should be a pro next year. Um, honestly, I, I don't even know that he'll be a pro ever, uh, at least an NBA pro. Um I think he's a four-year college player that is like an All-American type his junior and senior year, um, potential player of the year towards his senior year. Uh, he doesn't play offense. He doesn't score it well enough to do anything in the NBA offensively. Not a great shooter. Um, as you said, not athletic, really. Uh, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to see him in the NBA. Um, so I, I honestly hope really expect him to be a four-year Iowa State player. If he gets drafted this year, that would really surprise me. Uh, if he leaves, I mean, you can't fault the kid for leaving if he feels like he has a better opportunity somewhere else. But, yeah, I, I don't see him as an NBA player at all. Yeah. And I really like him. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just he, – but he's not afraid to let it fly. I mean, he, he'll catch the ball off of dribble handoff and let, just let it fly from three, even though he's shooting 29% right now. Um, he's – not lacking any confidence um, in his jumper, but uh, yeah, Chicago, Chicago kind of like adopted Derrick Rose, and then from there they really, really fell in love with Jabari, uh, and now it's Talon Horton Tucker. That's kind of the next wave. Um, 
So I think he has plenty of confidence from the city of Chicago hyping him up, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I think they jumped on the Horton Tucker bandwagon real quick after Jabari signed with the Bulls. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But uh, the only last thing I have to say about Iowa State is um, they have, if not the best, one of the best home court advantages in in the country. Um, They play at Hilton Coliseum, and it's commonly referred to as Hilton Magic because seems like top team after top team go in there and just don't come out alive. Um, so I'll have more to say about that in approximately 15 minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, and just to actually quantify that, um, Ken Palm has their home court advantage ranked second in D1. Um, so definitely have a huge, huge advantage there. Um, right it's now. always nice when the eye test matches the numbers, huh? Yeah, it's like you planned it. <laughs> um, but they have a huge game coming up here against Kansas Saturday. So um, we'll see how that one shakes out. But looks like um, playing at home against Kansas um, is going to be a really, really good game. So buckle up for that one. Um, but, yeah, we'll get into um, Texas next. Never discount the role of Hilton Magic. All right, so now time to cover um, one of my favorite teams growing up as a kid, the Texas Longhorns. Um, Really started when I started watching TJ Ford. Then they turned into sort of a forward big man factory, producing Mark Saldridge, Durant. Um, Damian James, they've recently done with uh, Miles Turner, Mo Bamba, um, Jared Allen, and now have a, a couple really, really studs um, down low with Jericho Sims and Jackson Hayes. Um, so what are your initial impress- impressions with Texas? Yeah, I, I just said to you, but I, I pretty much call them a roller coaster. It doesn't really get more up and down so far this year than Texas. Um, they had a three-game losing streak in the middle of the season uh, that was bookended by wins against North Carolina and Purdue. Um, one of the losses was Michigan State. The other two are Radford and VCU. VCU is a weird one just because Chuck Smart's old school. You can kind of imagine VCU is always going to be up for that game. Radford is not a bad team at all. Um, so really not a terrible loss, just some questionable, like probably should have won those games. Um, and the, But then the great win against UNC and the solid victory over Purdue and a really high scoring game that I was surprised by, but um, they are a good defense. They still are struggling on offense. Um, hasn't changed too much. They have gotten a little bit better from the past couple of years, but still, still a little bit of a struggle. Um, I think kind of the biggest problem is just finding a good shot or knowing what a good shot really is. Um, I think they have a lot of guys that are really confident in their abilities and are very good basketball players. They just have to figure out how to put it together. Um, they have great guard play. Kerwin, Kerwin Roach. Wow, that was a mouthful. Kerwin Roach and Matt Sounded Coleman out. are Yeah, just got to slow it down. Uh, but th- those two guards are, are solid. Um, two of the better. That's probably one of the better backcourts in the country, to be honest. And then Dylan, Dylan Osikowski and Jackson Hayes have been really good of late. Well, Hayes has been good. Osikowski, not so much yet, but he will get it going. He was great last year. Um, but, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, um, like you said, the backcourt is probably their their strong point um, as far as volume and efficiency because um, Jackson Hayes um, has taken sort of the NCAA by storm. Um, not a huge recruit coming out of high school. Um, was highly recruited, but – um, was more expecting a sophomore or junior year lead for the NBA at, at best. Um, but right now, looking like a lottery pick. Um, great size at 6'11". Uh, very, very athletic. Um, right now, is playing a lot like how Miles Turner played um, when Miles Turner was back at Texas. Uh, blocking two and a half shots a game, but extremely efficient offensively. Uh, I forget who they played, but he was five for five one game. Um, 
had like 16 points, 10 rebounds, uh, and like five blocks. He's just very, very efficient, doesn't need the ball a ton, able to pick and dive, catch lobs, uh, and is just a enforcer on defense. Um, and then also Tukowski, like you said, was great last year for them. Um, he's going to turn it around. Uh, he's been struggling, especially with his shot. Um, he's got great form on his shot. He's been a great shooter in the past. That'll turn around, so that'll be good for them. Um, but I think what their problem has been is just finding a consistent lineup that works. Um, in their most recent game, or the game before Kansas State, um, where they played um, UT Arlington, um, they started three basically point guards, Kerwin Roach, Matt Coleman, and Elijah Mitchell Long. Um, Kerwin Roach is the tallest out of them at 6'4". Uh, so I think they're going to stick with this lineup um, really get a lot of ball handles because they do struggle on offense uh, because they don't – I love Shaka Smart, but they don't necessarily run a consistent offense. It's more of a ebb and flow, really. You, you dribble handoffs, come off a pick and roll, and look for the lob. If the lob's not there, kick it out and try it again. Um, so uh, very simple offense that relies on the bigs catching lobs or getting the ball down low for drop-offs. And then if that doesn't, if that isn't there, Kerwin Roach, Matt Coleman, Mitchell Long um, are going to have to create their own shot. Um, someone that was really impressive for them against Kansas State was Jace uh, Febreze, and he had what twenty four. He hit um, seven three. He was like seven for nine from three. Um, very good player. Shaka Smart talks very highly of him. Um, He's a sophomore. He said over the summer he put on a ton of ton of muscle. Um, now he just has to work on his aggressiveness. He has all the skill in the world to do it. Um, just has to get that confidence and aggressiveness going. Um, but other than him, they have Courtney Ramey um, coming off the bench as a guard who's who's been a pleasant surprise. Uh, very good backup for them. Runs the offense, hits shots when he needs to, um, and really brings a lot of energy off the bench. And then one of my favorite players off their bench, Jericho Sims, uh, had a huge year last year behind Mo Bamba. Um, really showed that he has skill, uh, can has good post-up moves, and incredibly strong lower body. Uh, really strong legs allows him to finish over the rim, uh, but just needs to get that confidence back that he had last year. And then they just have a energy guy with HEPA coming off the bench, just another forward, big ball mover. Um, doesn't shoot much, but does a good job of getting the better shot. Yeah, I mean, I think Texas already has their, their resume building win over UNC. Um, they obviously have plenty of talent. Uh, I think they'll be just fine as long as they finish in the middle of the pack uh, at the worst in the Big Ten or Big 12. Um, I think if they have a bad, like, 500 Big 12 record, they probably will get a 10 seed. Um but I think you could, probably more likely to find them on like the six seven line. Yeah, yeah, six seven line for sure. I think with a lot of a lot of potential to to get it to the second weekend um, if that if everything comes well together, um, the way they've they've sort of grown and as soon as they start to gel and find that starting lineup that works, um, I think they can be a dangerous team, which I s seem to say a lot about a lot of teams, but. Um, <laughs> I promise. The, the teams that we cover, the, we cover them for a reason. Um, yeah, exactly. So Texas got a few, uh, couple of games that should win, um, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Um, and then they have a big game next Saturday against Texas Tech at home. Um, we'll see if they could protect their home court. Uh, they lost to Radford and VCU both at home. So huge game against Texas Tech for them. I think they, it's almost a must win for me to get them to a six seed. Um, maybe even a five. So um, look out for that game. Um, but, yeah, that, that's Texas. Um, we're going to go into our picks, and then Zach's going to give me a trade. I love it here, man. It would have been cool to do more than one year, but I had to, I had to handle my business. Yeah.
Yeah. So, so maybe you can put your great minds together and go through this, and by, by the end of the show, we'll have a completed bracket. And All right, so we're going to do our picks, and before I give you my pick, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown of the games of the week to watch for, I guess. Um, so yesterday, hopefully you watched Nebraska-Maryland. Great game. Came down to the wire. Jalen Smith hit a game winner. Uh, big win for Maryland. Nebraska's really good still. But Saturday, we have Michigan State against Ohio State. Ohio State at home. The teams I'm going to mention second are going to be at home. Uh, Michigan State, Ohio State. Florida State, Virginia, and what could be a potential game of the year. Uh, Kansas, Iowa State. Sunday, we have Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, and Memphis, Houston. So definitely a very good weekend of basketball. Getting into the heart of conference play here. Um, but my pick is going to be a team we talked about already. I'm going to go with Iowa State and that Hilton Coliseum Magic over Kansas. Uh, we don't have any lines yet for that game. I'm predicting Iowa State's going to be a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, so I'm going to take Iowa State plus four-and-a-half, and I would sprinkle a little bit of apples on the money line. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a bold take. Um, Kansas just losing to Arizona State at home. Um, and then they beat Oklahoma last night in the game where, they, of course, they couldn't put anybody away again. So I feel pretty good. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um What's your college record right now? Not, I'm not. That's doesn't. That sounded bad, but I just. <laughs> um, so last week I I pushed both my games, college and NBA. Uh, which is why I'm going to go with half point spreads for the rest of the year because I'm sick of pushing. Um, but I'm o three and one. Okay. So. <laughs> so we really got to change that first number. Yeah. Yeah, never good to have a zero to start your start your numbers. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna start saying it backwards. I'm one three and zero, just going right to left. <laughs> Still not great, but hey, <laughs> it's better than zero. Um, yeah, that's a, that'll be that'll be a fun game. I'm excited for that one. Um, for me, I'm going back and forth. I always try to avoid picking with my heart, um, just because that's led me wrong so many times. Um, but I'm gonna go with um, Michigan State at Ohio State for um, my pick. Like like you said, there's no lines out. Um, I think Michigan State is going to be a one-point favorite. One, ah, no more solid numbers. We'll do half. Um, One-and-a-half-point <laughs> favorite. Um, Ohio State's um, – we've covered them already. We've covered both Michigan State and Ohio State. Um, I really like Ohio State, but I just think Michigan State has too many, too many weapons. Um, they're going to get up and down. Um, I don't think Caleb Wesson is going to be a factor simply because Nick Ward, Kenny Goins – um, Xavier Tillman are going to outrun them. Um, and when you lose sort of your best offensive uh, power, that then um, they're going to struggle. So I got Michigan State um, minus one and a half. Um, if it's more than that, I think the Michigan State will end up winning by at least eight. So um, that's my pick for the week. Yeah. In the nut house, as they call it, which is so not true because that's not that great of a home court environment. But, yeah, Michigan State, I, I think that's a really good pick. They shouldn't have too much of a problem with Ohio State. Yeah, and they're they're playing, what, at noon? So, noon game. Um, weird things happen, but I'm uh, pretty confident in Michigan State. The other game I was looking at was St. John's-Georgetown. Um, I think St. John's is playing at Georgetown. Talk about a terrible home environment. Um, that's <laughs> – uh, Georgetown plays where the Wizards play. It's an arena far too big for what Georgetown is right now. Um, so I think St. John is just going to outright win. Um, they'll probably be a favorite by a, a few points. Um, but I, I think Shamari Pons is just going to, especially with Matt McClung, Mac McClung hurt. Um, I'm excited to see the Pons uh, Kinjo matchup, though. It'll be fun. Yeah, Georgetown coming off a big win against Butler, though, so we'll see what happens. You never know with the Big East. Uh, All right, so let me trade you. There we go. All right, so I don't think you're going to like this one too much, but we'll see what happens. Um, so I'm going to go with Texas, and I think their biggest issue is shooting still. So I'm going to get them a guy that has probably more confidence than anyone in the country and is a knockdown shooter in, in Jordan Poole. And I'm going to I'm gonna give him to Texas, but I'm going to have to ask for Jackson Hayes in return. And the reason I think that this is acceptable, I think, I think Michigan gets the better player back. But I think Texas 
gets a player that fits what they need right now and allows them to use Jericho Sims more, who I think is really solid. Jackson Hayes is just better than him right now. Um, so I think while they are losing a great player in Jackson Hayes, to they can kind of offset some of that with Jericho Sims, and then I think Jordan Poole just elevates them. I did do this before Fabrice hit seven threes, <laughs> so that may change some things a little bit, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard for me to give up, a, 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 in my mind, a top 10 pick. Um, would you give up Jericho Sims instead? Yeah. Like, if that was Jericho Sims, would you do that trade? I mean, it would break my heart to give up Jericho Sims because I'm, <laughs> I'm honestly a big fan of him just because of how hard he Because he has works. an afro and he's really athletic like every other Texas big ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, it's been interesting to see the, the 6'11 skilled bigs that block shots like crazy come through the past – five years so um yeah i mean i really like jericho sims but um michigan definitely needs another big um austin davis is just not not he shouldn't be playing as many minutes as he is um and then you don't have to put it gently you can be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that would just be a huge huge upgrade and then isaiah liver stepping into the lineup i think would be fine for michigan i think michigan would need a two-for-one type of player or where they trade Jordan Poole for two players because they just don't have a bench. Um, yeah. I, I was going to give them Matt Coleman, but they don't need a point guard or even a guard, really. Yeah, and Texas is just a team without wings. Uh, Fabrice is the only one, only only true wing on that team that plays. Um, so they definitely could use some wings. So I don't mind it. It's just Jackson Hayes is so good. Um, yeah. so but, much but also – I was also thinking Jackson Hayes will be gone in a couple months and Jordan Poole will have to come back, so it's yeah. kind of a long-term fair. thing. But. Yeah, that's fair. It's hard to evaluate these college trades. with. <laughs> Dude, it's hard to make them, let alone evaluate them. Yeah. All right, well, that's that, that wraps up our college um, for today. Uh, we'll get into the NBA, um, some NBA picks, trades, and then get into a study. Um, so stay tuned for that. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?